Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Next In Line podcast brought to you by the RFK Sports Network. Uh, Coming at you right now, this is Adam Davis, but we've got actually a two-part episode, maybe a little extra on the back end as well, uh, for today's episode, so I hope you enjoy. Uh, it's going to get kicked off by Adam Mendelovitz. He's going to talk about all things DC United Academy, some of the wonderful performances that have occurred uh, by the boys there, and uh, then I'm going to round it out at the end and talk about the upcoming match against Miami and some of the stellar performances by our guys at uh, Loudoun so far this season. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Next in Line, part of the RFK Refugees Network. As always, your host, Adam Indelovitz, one of the two loud Adams focusing on the news and views from DC United Academy. Hopefully you were there June 4th. Between this very podcast, uh, some of the Screaming Eagles and Buzzard Point Social tried to get the word out about the last Academy match that uh, DC's U14, U15, and U17 teams would play in reverse order against uh, the respective Academies of uh, Club Foot Montreal, or in U14's case, uh, Achilles FC. The sun was shining, the birds were chirping, the scoreboard remained silent in the corner of the field, and uh, a lot of folks had fun. We managed to get about a half dozen uh, other DC United fans out there, at least uh, the ones that were willing to sit with us in the section. Brought drums, we brought uh, banners, made it you know feel like home with the first team. Tried to bring a sample of that atmosphere to the kids, and uh, they certainly seemed to appreciate it. The U-15s came out for a little curtain call after their game ended. And a few of the parents even were up there joining us in the stands, uh, chanting and singing as well. It was pretty fun. Even more so for the U-15s, who won 2-0. Less so for the U-17s, who uh, unfortunately lost 1-3 and uh, had to endure some jawing from Montreal about... Their team going home in the first round. That was mean. <laughs> Having said that, Gabriel Cosio once again showing some flashes of brilliance. Justin Melly uh, holding it down as a center back. Dash Papez uh, going as a field general. Unfortunately, Gavin Turner did not appear from what I could see. Unlike two weeks ago where he made a surprise appearance. And as for the U-15s, I've probably said it before, but... You might want to keep an eye out on Dami Olopona, as well as uh, Jason Molina, and Raul Avalos. Much as I wanted to see the U14s, consider I'd already spent roughly four hours at Segra Field, and also dealing with a back issue that has been persisting for like three or four weeks now, from when I'm recording this. It has only recently started to subside after uh, enough painkillers and physical therapy, Unfortunately, it's been limiting my physical activity as well as making me cranky, and that's before we get into the smoke that permeated uh, pretty much all of the East Coast coming down from Canada. Thankfully, that uh, waited until after the Academy soccer matches to happen to cover the skies. 
but that's for a different uh, genre of podcast. So as I said, uh, before the matches played, Patrick Okamo gave a quick little speech to address us in the crowd as the, they were transitioning between the U-17s walking off the field and the U-15s walking onto it. Uh, reiterating a lot of what I mentioned in my last episode of uh, Next in Line, and also uh, reiterating that the U-15s would get a chance at the MLS Next Cup. I couldn't confirm it at the time, but now I can, that indeed both the U-15s and U-17s are playing for the MLS Next Cup. The U-15s are going to be playing against the Strikers FC Academy based out of Irvine, California. Meanwhile, the U-17s will be playing their first match in the MLS Next Cup against Soccer's FC from Chicago. This tournament is expected to take place between June 17th and the 25th. Unfortunately, I won't be able to report from there as, number one, it's going to be located in Frisco, Texas, home of FC Dallas. And number two, I'm going to be on a family trip uh, near the end of that week. Having said that, like the U16s last year, if uh, the DCU uh, youth sides uh, claw their way to the finals, then maybe you'll be able to watch it on a stream on YouTube or some other format. So, you know, look forward to it. Or if you're in the Frisco, Texas area or in the FC Dallas area next week, see if you can get tickets or get entry to the stadium. As for the U14s... I'm sorry I was not able to attend uh, your match as my back was hurting at the time. Old people things, I know. Having said that, they did get a consolation prize with an invite to the Patterson Cup, a small youth tournament being played at Kansas City at the Swope Soccer Village, where a lot of sporting Kansas City's own uh, reserves and academy uh, kids train. DC's U14 side fought their way to the semifinals. Unfortunately, they uh, fell to the Chicago Fire and their U14s 0-1. But uh, if there's one thing that all teams share when their years are done, they get to enjoy summer vacation. And then late August, it's uh, for those who are still in the system, well, it's back to the grind. However this shakes out, enjoy, keep yourselves fresh, and... uh, Get ready for the next year and come back even stronger. For a couple of U15 players, they're already getting looks from other national teams. Been informed that uh, Jason Molina got a call up from uh, the Peruvian national squad and their U15 side. Meanwhile, Gabriel Gabo Fuentes got a call up from uh, Guatemala's U15s. Best of luck to both of them. And finally, TJ McDermott. A former DC United Academy product as an attacker and attacking midfielder. At one point, he joined the Philippines uh, National Youth Soccer Program, but unfortunately suffered an ACL tear and uh, did not get the chance to play. Reportedly, he has just signed up for the U.S. Army. I'm assuming it's not just for the strength of their soccer program. But uh, best of luck to TJ and... Hope he can handle the routine with the Army. We've got a lot of veterans here in the Northern Virginia and Loudoun, in the Loudoun area, so I'm sure if they want to chime in with uh, boasts or jibes, they can do that as well. All right, very cool. Thank you, Adam. 
and that is my way of pretending like this is a live show and not being edited right now. But uh, yeah, thanks for that. That's a lot of great information about the DC Academy, and uh, yeah, I'm sure everybody's gonna enjoy that. So uh, jumping on to the next topic, uh, I'm gonna get right into um, the upcoming opponent for Loudoun United, and that is Miami FC. So Loudoun finally closed out uh, a terrible chapter in uh, the season which was the massive, we won't even say the number, amount of games lost in a row, not even getting any draws. Um, Miami is one of those teams that's a proverbial draw team. They've gotten a ton of draws, seven um, through the season. Uh, their current record's 2-7-5. and five. Um, Yeah, that's just two wins all season. So um, they also haven't lost, uh, haven't won, excuse me, a match in their last five, two of which were, of course, draws. Um, their last win came on May 3rd. That was against... Birmingham Legion, I believe, um, and uh, I've, of course, wrote a note to myself here to mention that this is not Messi's Miami. This is um, the the more important Miami, being uh, Miami FC. Um, so yeah, uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that I think that a lot of folks tune in here for, which is maybe a little bit of analysis or a breakdown of who to watch for when you when you look out there. Um, the first player to watch is, is one that I think everybody here, at least those fans who've been a fan of Loudoun United since 2019, they're going to be familiar with, and that's former Loudoun captain Kyle Murphy. He's a striker, um, wears the number nine. Um, he's, you could argue, he's probably the hottest man at the moment. Um, he has had a, a best season performance, uh, a best season of the season performance for himself during the last outing, which was a 3-3 draw to RGV Toros. Um, he notched a goal and two assists which gave him the USL Championship Player of the Week nod, um, something I don't agree with. I think that kind of demonstrates that USL Championship folks are not really watching film or watching matches. They're just going based off stats, basically. But um, I say that because one of the goals was a penalty. Um, props to him for scoring a penalty. Nothing against. I, I, love, I love Kyle. He's, he's a great dude. Um, and one of the assists was kind of unintentional. But um, either way, or at least it, it seemed that way. What do I know? Not a pro soccer player, so um, it, it just didn't feel as though that was it was more um, worthy of the player of the week nod as as Zach Ryan's brace that he had. But what do I know? Again, um, so he's the only player on Miami's roster who has more than a single assist, and he's the only player with more than two goals. He has four goals on the season. Um, so yeah, next up on the players to watch out for is attacking midfielder Florian Velo or Valot. We'll find out uh, shortly. He is currently the highest rated player, according to FOTMOB, on overall performances of the season for Miami. He has one goal and one assist on the season and a team high 10 chances created on the season in the 10 matches that he's played. Um, he has, has he's got two players of the match performances by FOTMOB. And, uh, and yeah, he's, he's certainly going to be someone who you're going to look at, at, at creating opportunities alongside uh, with, with with Kyle in in the box there, um, so uh, another midfielder, but on the defensive side is Bolo Akinyode, who has been with Miami for some time now and has always been uh, one of their their primary workhorses, uh, creating lots of chances and um, uh, being one of those those main cogs in, in the midfield. He's got a goal and, and a team high pass completion percentage of eighty six point eight percent. He's also got a team high tackles with 35 on the season. Um, speaking of tacos, uh, tacos, pa tackles, uh, tackles, well, uh, we got Paco Craig, who does the talk tackles also. We'll, we'll have fun with that. 
Um, he's got two goals and an assist on the season, despite being a center back, again, doing tackles and maybe Pacos. I don't know, tacos. Uh, a team high 843 passes and also a team high 65 clearances. He's got three different uh, player of the match performances, according to Fat Mob. And then the final name on the list to, to watch out for is another uh, former Laudini, which would be uh, Christian Soro playing back in the 2019 inaugural season alongside Kyle Murphy. Um, he plays out in the right wing. He's had two goals and an assist on the season, but had some pretty shaky performances in, in most recent. He started the season pretty shaky in his performances. He's kind of the last four or so games has been a bit rough as well. Um, he, like uh, Kyle, I believe, has been there since 2022. Um, he played with the RGV Toros before that. Um, and then an honorable mention, uh, since we're on the topic of former Loudon players that are now on this roster, is Noah Abrams, the goalkeeper. Honorary mention, just because of the fact that he is not actually on the roster, he is currently loaned out for um, to to Charlotte Independents of the USL League One, who are currently second in the table. They're in contention right now for the title, but he's not getting any minutes. He's sitting on the bench. Um, you know, it almost was. You know, we've had teams like like RGV Toros in the past that have, have absorbed a lot of. Uh, a, a lot of players from Loudon and, and Miami seems to be that team right now. It feels that way at least. So, you know, writing all this up kind of got the juices going for me and made me think that uh, it would be kind of cool if, if I did a another segment in this podcast on occasion. Maybe maybe we'll do them each week. Maybe we'll do them every couple of weeks um, to kind of talk about where some of the former Loudon players are right now what's happening to them where are they at have they retired have they have they gone on to do bigger and better things um so i'm going to do that at the end of this episode it's going to be the last segment to close out the episode um but but please reach out and let me know let me or adam mandelovitz know if there are names uh that you are interested in um so so tune in uh toward the end of this episode and you'll get that uh that little player profile and, and a breakdown of of uh, their importance to Loudon, you know what what they did, and then also where they are now, um, and I'll tell you who that is at the end. Um, so continue with Miami. Loudon has played Miami six times. We have won one of those. We've drawn one, and we have lost four. If your math is good, um, in the last three meetings, I believe maybe three of the last four, uh, we have had three separate red cards, um, two of which occurred in in, in the single. Uh, in a single game, in a 3-2 win for Loudon, our only win. Um, my assessment on, on this situation is it, it's going to depend a lot on, on how we we get started and, and the mentality at the end of the game. So, like, the front and the back end of the game is going to be really, really big for, for the boys. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a team that, that Loudon can beat. But, you know, week in and week out, I say that, you know, Loudon can beat any team in this league if they, if they play at their best. Um, their defense has... A really good center back. That's that's the Paco Craig I was talking about a minute ago. Um, and they've got a really solid attacking left back as well. But otherwise, we're gonna probably expect to score or at least have opportunities to do so this game. Uh, it's probably kind of gonna have that same do or die vibe to it, except for this time it's gonna be on the road. Um, the team's gonna be hoping to not get back into that slide. So. You know, suddenly, like a win means that like we're back in the conversation, we're back in contention. But a, a loss just kind of is going to allow that hopelessness to, to set back up or come to come to the top. Um, I think that they're going to score at least one on us, um, maybe more. We'll see. 
but I think we're also going to get several solid chances, four, five, maybe even six legitimate chances. So it just really comes down to whether or not we're able to capitalize on that. I think that uh, you'll, you'll see their defense break down. I think we'll be able to take advantage of that. So, so yeah, um, moving on beyond Miami, I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the state of Loudoun uh, address, you know, talk about some of the players who are standing out thus far in the season um, and, and some of the injuries and roster moves as well. So first off, you got to start with Zach Ryan, right? Um, his brace last weekend game gave him, uh, moved him into the fourth spot overall in Loudon's history for goals tallied at nine goals across all competitions. There's only three players that have ever tallied double-digit points. That's that's uh, Kyle Murphy, of course, who had 13 goals in 29 appearances. That's Ted Pietro, who had 11 goals in 58 appearances, a lot right there. And then Gordon Wild, who had 10 goals in 16 appearances. Um, so big props to Zach Ryan. You know, you, you, you bet on him to score some more goals uh, and, and to hit that double-digit number. Um, he's got seven on the season for the champ USL Championship, of course. Two of, of, of his nine came in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, we've currently got three players who are tied in the third of all time in Loudon's history in assists, um, and they're all three on the roster right now. That's Jeremy Gray, who did it in 79 appearances, Abdul Zane in 43 appearances, and Khalil El Medkar in 17 appearances. Only Ted Cudi Pietro. Anskage, Samunson had more than, than those three right there. And so you'd also uh, bet on them to get a couple more assists and, and move that, that number up. Um, so, yeah, then, then we go into injuries and we go into roster moves and all that fun stuff. Hayden Sargis, uh, it sounds like, has been recalled by DC United. That's not been out. It's not been public. No, one, no one's probably going to say anything until uh, right before. Maybe it, maybe it just stays quiet. Maybe it's just a temporary recall. We're not really sure what the deal is with that, but he is back training with DC United and no longer on the Loudon roster. Um, and that's the result of uh, Victor Paulson being uh, called up to international duty to play with Iceland um, and some, some a smattering of injuries that are going across the defensive back line for DC United. So um, not sure if we'll see him back. Uh, he, he had a couple uh, good performances there toward the end of his tenure, but hopefully it's not the actual end, end of his tenure and we get him back uh, for some continued depth at center back. Um, you know, with, 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 with Daniel Chica and Mattia Kamboni both getting a start in, in our last outing, I think they both performed well. So it doesn't give me a lot of... Um, doesn't make me sweat too much. It also kind of what it tells me is that there's a good likelihood that Giannis Learman is probably getting ready to to, to reclaim his spot on the back line. Um, I think he once he's healthy, fully healthy. I think they, got, they brought him back too early, right? But once he's fully healthy, um, he's an immediate starter again. No word on Cole Turner yet. I, I can't get anything out of the clubhouse on him, but um, you know maybe I'll get a chance to go see a practice and see if he's moving around and up on his feet yet. Uh, once you get Cole Turner and Giannis Learman back, I think this back line is completely different. Um, just from a mentality perspective, I don't even think from a from a talent perspective. I think that just their their veteran presence out there really brings out um, a, a lot, and, and the rest of the guys, the rest of the lads out there. Um, so, barring either of those those defensive returns from injury, I, I'm going to assume this is going to be a very similar lineup to the match versus Tulsa. You got Zane being rewarded for a, a stellar performance on the left, um, and, and Tommy Ryan pairing continuing to produce up top. Um, yeah, I, I think that that makes sense. Uh, and, and a big shout out to, to Abdul Zana. You know, waiting to the end of the episode is not really fair because he had a uh, 
a uh, team of the week performance. Um, he, he made it in that, that left back position, a position he's not traditionally uh, played, and he's a bit shorter. So, you know, you, you think like defensively that can be difficult, but he, he did great against Tulsa. Um, of course, Zach Ryan and, and then Khalil Medkar also notching um, spots on the team of the week. Uh, and, and I think that there were multiple guys on that, 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 that match for the team that, that really could have made that team of the week performance, but, you know, he can't fill it all with Loudon. So, so yeah, okay, very cool. So to close out, um, I'm going to do a, the first ever, uh, the inaugural uh, Life After Loudon segment. And uh, I'm going to open it up with uh, not one of the guys that I just spoke about, actually. I'm going to speak about a, uh, a striker that we had come in at the end of the 2019 season named Aliona Nador. So um, first off, his significance to Loudon. He, he joined, um, so he's a Senegalese striker that, that came in at the, the tail end of the 2019 season. I believe there were five games left in the season. Um, he was on a loan, it was technically a loan from MFK Viskov of the, the Chechia top flight. Um, immediately you saw you know, his presence out there, his size, um, taking advantage of, of other USL championship back lines. Um, and it was, a, it was a great thing to watch. Um, you know, he, he jumped out there and I think he maybe was on the bench for his first match and then four matches in a row, uh, he scored five goals and an assist in that time to close out the 2019 inaugural season. Um, so he's not like, you know, an inaugural lead, but he was a part of the inaugural season and all that fun stuff. Um, he kind of blasted into the scene at a time when Loudon was already out of the conversation, just barely mathematically. We were out of the conversation for the, the playoffs and, and he, um, he led the way for Loudon to really, really ruin a lot of other team seasons, um, break their their playoff hopes. Um, in that first one, so and then the second season started, and, and, and the second season was, of course, the COVID nineteen season. We had the 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 nil nil draw away at Philly two in, in March of twenty twenty, and then the world shut down, um, and, and he never really re- recovered the, the, the form that he had when he blasted onto the scene in the beginning or at the end of the 2019 season. Um, he had 11 matches where he played. He provided zero assists and had no goals. Um, and, and so, you know, it, prior to, of course, all of that, prior to him going to MFK, Viskov, he signed his per- first professional contract in Senegal with a, a team called uh, Casey Karak, which is an academy club there. Um, so, his importance to Loudon, boom. Now, the, the, the second part of this little segment is going to be the, the life after Loudon. So after his loan was terminated by Loudon, um, September of 2020, so that COVID-19 season, uh, MFK Viskov sold him for an unknown transfer fee. Pretty common that, that this kind of stuff occurs in some of these lower flight teams. Um, but he sold him to a team called BSAD or uh, Belenenses Saad. Uh, which is uh, a team with a, with a fun uh, a bit of history that I'll talk about in a second. But they currently, um, or did currently, just play in the Portuguese second Divi- division, or Liga Portugal 2, um, of which they were just relegated at the end of this season, which is tough. Um, he spent his first season there with Bissad's U23, where he notched a 90th-minute goal in the final match of the season, but otherwise didn't really do anything. Um, at the time, the, the next season, the following season, he got some call-ups with the first team, uh, a team that was at the, then playing in, playing in the Premier Vira, the, the, the top flight of, uh, of Portugal. Um, and he got, he got multiple uh, looks and multiple opportunities because of a number of injuries that were plaguing their attack. Um, and so in his first three appearances, he scored two goals, 
Um, but then shortly after that, he had to end his season also due to injury. Um, that campaign on the back of all these injuries and issues that they were having, some financial stuff, um, ended their their time in <laughs> in the top flight, and they ended up getting relegated, unfortunately. Um, and, uh, and now they've been relegated again, which is super unfortunate, but we'll get to that. So BSAD is a, is a bit of a confusing team if you want to do any research and, and digging on this because they are a team that broke off a, a, a rebel, rebellious, you know, break off of a club, um, which you see from time to time in, in professional uh, football. But uh, they're a break off of a team called CFO Benenlesis, Benenlesis, my gosh. I'm going to keep butchering that. Um, and uh, they've also undergone a, a few name changes over the last the couple last couple seasons. So when you look for them on a table that in a, in a league where you might think that they are, they might be under a different name, and that makes it a little confusing. Um, so last season, uh, still with, with uh, B. Saad, he went on loan to a team in the, the French third division, which, you know, I'm going to make an attempt at saying this, uh, L.B. Chateauroux. Um, so again, third division, and he scored five goals and an assist, so matching his 2019 tally for Loudon across all competitions for the blue and red. Um, he that included a, a brace he scored against uh, AS Nancy, which was a 3-1 win uh, in their league. Um, he the, fin- the the team finished quite middle of the pack, I believe 10th or 11th, um, out of a relatively small league. I think there's only 18. Um, and uh, they were knocked out of the Coupe de France or their, their U.S. Open Cup equivalent uh, to Paris Saint-Germain, but I don't believe that Nador got any minutes there. Um, so Alion Nador will rejoin Bissad on June 30th, where uh, his contract situation is, is unknown right now. I'm sure he knows it, but I don't know it. Um, I, I imagine that their relegation is going to have an impact on his contract situation, uh, they're probably going to have to make a lot of cuts uh, to, to balance their books. And so he may become a, a primary player if he's got a cheaper contract for them uh, in, in their their campaign as they begin in the third tier of, of Portugal. Or he may get cut and have opportunities elsewhere. I think he's he's still being a little injury-plagued, and um, you know we'll, we'll see what that means to him. And, and so, yeah. So... Aliona Nador, uh, a fan favorite from the beginning, um, still out there, still balling, and uh, you know we wish you all the best if there's a chance that you are listening. So thanks for tuning in. If you made it through this uh, extra long episode, uh, we really appreciate all of your support and everything. So I hope to see folks out and at the uh, Loudon Stampede watch party that they're going to be having. I think it's going to be at Loudon Brewing Company, from what I hear, as the lads take on Miami FC. Take care.